All right, Athens, tell us your story. A podcast featuring the people of Athens and Limestone County, Alabama. The stories are as unique as the people themselves, but they all reveal the character, the culture, and the distinct voices of a classic Southern community. My name's Gene Keith. I came to Athens in about 1976. I taught for the Athens City School System approximately 34 years. I was born in Springville, Alabama in St. Clair County. And when I was about six, my mother moved to Pennsylvania where she was born. So I grew up in a coal mountain in a town called Edenborn, Pennsylvania. I went to a Catholic school, did drawing there for first grade through eighth grade. I had a brother in the Navy, and the story is that when I was young and he came home from leave when he was in a Korean War, that I packed my clothes to join him. <laughs> so I used to always draw ships, and then uh, in school, any art project, I was often given an assignment to decorate the chalkboards or stuff like that. And then I had good art teachers in high school. And, my art teacher, upon my graduation, uh, her parents were well off and offered me support to go to college in West Virginia, but I was wanting more adventure than the college. And then I joined the United States Coast Guard. I went to radio school and worked on the United States Coast Guard cutter Chautauqua out of Honolulu, Hawaii. And my job was radio operator. We did weather and rescue missions and did get an opportunity for some experience in Japan when we had shipyard repair. And then after discharge, returned to Alabama. My father was down here and I wanted to get away from the coal mines in the cold weather. <laughs> so I came south and got into truck farming, and later cutting pulpwood and hauling pulpwood, and then worked in a cabinet shop. I got married while I was in Alabama and had a daughter and went back north to get a better job and opportunities, and I was advised to take advantage of the GI Bill because there weren't any jobs at Fayette County, Pennsylvania. So I went two years to the branch campus, then went to the main campus and finished my degree at um, Penn State. It was art education, so we had a broad range of different types of artists and experiences. And I had good teachers. My ceramic instructor was Jelko Kajunzik, who worked on the underground during World War II and was put in a concentration camp and he could escape every night and get food. And they said, well, why don't you just go? Why do you come back? And he said, well, if I go, the dogs will find me and then I'm in trouble. So they were working on a bridge over a giant gorge and he was a good swimmer and he made a commotion and dove off the bridge and hit the water. And they didn't go looking for him because they didn't think he could survive. And then he ended up in the United States and uh, became known as a ceramics instructor and a painter. I had a number of instructors that made the whole experience pleasant. A parent once 
shared with me that her daughter came home from art class and said, Mr. Keith teaches more than art, he teaches lessons in life. So maybe <laughs> that was a carryover from uh, the instructors that I had encountered. I think it was about 1976. By that time, I had uh, two children, a daughter and a son. And uh, a student taught in Pittsburgh, but I still wanted to come back south. And I sent a letter to St. Clair and telling him I was graduate of Penn State, wanting to settle into Alabama somewhere. And Athens City School System contacted me saying they were going to start a new art education classes at the elementary level. Since it was a new program, the superintendent invited the uh, members of the PTO for the interview. And uh, after questioning and going over my resume, and he asked members if anyone had a question. A lady raised her hand and she said, my concern is that Athens is such a small town Mr. Keith may be leaving soon for a bigger town, and uh, we will be looking for another art teacher. So when a superintendent asked me if I had any intentions of moving to a bigger town, I shared with him that Springville, Alabama only had one red light, and it was shot out one night and was never replaced. <laughs> and. Uh, when I first started teaching, I didn't have an art room. I had a cart that I would push, and it had a squeaky wheel. And students often said later as adults that when they heard that squeaky wheel coming down, they got happy because they knew they were going to have art and didn't have to take the test yet. The first year I taught, parent told me, said, my daughter came home and said, our art teacher's a poet too. And she said, what do you mean? She says, well, he tells us it's always the same. First draw your frame, then write your name. Well, there was two reasons. One, to keep the art material from getting all over the desk. And then two, so that whatever they were doing had the appearance of art that's already framed. And they're working with inside the frame. When you are given a blank piece of paper, the most difficult thing to do is decide where to start. So I would do some created stamps where I'd put a shape stamp on their paper, show famous art, share stories, and they had a starting point. Till this day, I still have students say, I can still draw a horse. I start with a rectangle for the body, add basic shapes, and then redo the lines of the form. Each lesson, I had to modify to have five different variations. So they didn't all look alike and the level of learning was appropriate for their age group. And I always tried to stress that everyone can create or express. And in one kindergarten lesson, when I first started teaching, trying to get them all involved, how do I get them all involved? So I gave them about four different colors, and I had some balloons that matched the color. And I'd blow up a balloon and say, what happens if I take my finger off the balloon? They said, well, it'll fly around the room. I said, well, pick up your red crayon and pretend it's a balloon and let it fly around your paper. 
and they would, you know, scribble and scribble and scribble, and I'd blow up another color. But it was just to get them involved, and at the end, their paper was full of lines, colors, and, and such like that, and they figured I created something. So I've always been a problem solver, you know, that. Uh, to the artist, he always has problems to create something that communicates. But in my case, the problem was to have the children create something that they were proud of and that they were learning something from, not just the academics of art, color, shape, form, line, and such, but the pleasure of creating. So I try to come up with lessons that had a dual purpose. Instruct, but enjoyable. So I once had a class where I dealt with children in wheelchairs and somewhat handicapped, and I thought, well, how can I make this an exciting experience? So I put up a large board behind a table, and the table was full of confetti and glitter, and I set up a fan I showed some slides of abstract arts and murals, and when they came up, they could grab the glitter and confetti and throw it in the air, and the fan would carry it, and it would stick to different spots on the glued board, and in the conclusion, we had a colorful mural for the classroom. So, like I said, I worked with AD, special ed, and children with problems, but I guess I just wanted it always to be a good experience for them. And, uh, they were quiet and teachers said, well, we're glad to have an art teacher because they can talk during class. In the classroom, you, you don't get to interact, exchange. And I once did a lesson on Aboriginal art and I had some music of didgeroos. When I turned that music on, some of them stood up and started shaking and dancing. But that relaxed them with something new. And, and then later, some students commented, I have some different music, and I bring it in and we play it. And so uh, we would maybe play a classical music sometimes to relax students a different way. And so I wasn't beyond letting them get up out of their seat or share or talk once I was through presenting the lesson. Well, I guess I felt that if I could engage them in the process, they weren't worried about the result. And if you overcome that initial apprehension, then you're involved in it without saying, I can't do this, I can't do that. And I always try to stress that everyone can create or express. And. Uh, when I first started the Arts Council in Athens, I wanted to do something big, and I'd seen these Indian sand paintings. So I bought a pickup truckload of sand, put it in jars, and added coloring agents to it, and then we met out behind a high school, and a large group of children were given funnels and different colors sand and areas, and they marked it off and dribbled, and it combined to make a large group project a sand painting, like an Indian sand painting. Everyone was pleased with it except the cleanup group. 
I work with a teacher, she said, I don't know whether to be happy with you or angry with you. My three daughters are in art. One's a teacher, one's a graphic designer, and uh, I think the other one was a teacher, but now she works with the college. But the interaction was good both ways. I had students in fifth grade that I thought, my, I should be taking a lesson from her, because if you named any dog, she could draw it without looking at a picture. So why should that child not have the opportunity and support or any child just to pick up and when they're finished say, I made this, I'm gonna give it to my mother and stuff. So I tried to finish every lesson in a 30 minute session. I just designed all my lessons so that when they walked out of class, they had a finished product. A lot of former students say my mother still has this drawing or that drawing we did hanging in her kitchen or somewhere in the house. When I was an arts student, they said getting control of your class to quieten them down all at once after interactions was to do something to get quiet again. So I first started just saying, it's time to snap her fingers. Then later I added a little as snap her fingers, hold her fingers high in the sky, let the stars go by, pick one and put a twinkle in your eye, finger like a paintbrush, paint a Mona Lisa smile. And they would go through that and that would bring the art lesson to a close and we'd quietly line up. It was just trying to relate it to art, the Mona Lisa smile and make them feel good, the sparkle in her eye, but the engagement, because most children can't snap. So that gave them the opportunity to start snapping their fingers. That's how I closed every lesson with the snap and the clap and the chant. So uh, I retired, I don't keep up with birthday. <laughs> uh, roughly, uh, it's been probably nine years. I, I taught 34 and a half years, I, I know that. So it's been about nine or 10 years I've been retired. And uh, one parent, the year after I retired, said, child said, Daddy, Mr. Keith is gone, and he took all his junk with him. <laughs> because I had a lot of, you know, uh, carved wooden ducks and uh, paintings on the wall and artifacts. I've lately been spending time at the library, at the archives, some historical groups in Elkmont. Having been born in Alabama, raised in Pennsylvania, I didn't know much about my history in Alabama. But about eight years ago, I went to a reunion. I was invited, and an elderly gentleman introduced me to genealogy. And I traveled with him all around Jefferson, St. Clair County, and then I started looking up answers to questions. and. Every bit of information, I say, became a seed. I just track every little story down. Disagreements over the weight of cotton in 1880 results in a confrontation that results in a shooting, and then why, and then it affects the family, and then trying to get more knowledgeable about the family and the history. Some say, be careful, it becomes an obsession, but. I was always taught to finish the job, finish the job, and you know, do your best and get the answers, so I enjoy that. 
But the people have always been good, and yeah, I've had a pleasant experience and met warm, gentle folks, and everyone I've met in Athens has been a good experience. And uh, I would like to thank them all for making my career a pleasant and memorable experience. And thank you. Snap her fingers, hold her fingers high in the sky, let the stars go by. Pick one and put a twinkle in your eye. Finger like a paintbrush, paint a Mona Lisa smile. You've been listening to All Right Athens, produced by the Athens-Limestone County Public Library. If you or anyone you know would like to be featured on our podcast, please visit our website at alcpl.org for ways to submit your story. All Right Athens is part of our Library Voices series and available on your favorite podcast platform.